I've been offered early retirement. <laughs> They've offered to uh, give me a year's pay, a check for $12,000. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a whooping? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. Yes, it is time to stop and smell the roses, and uh, my name is Al. And I'd like to take this time to think about Jefferson's father, and I want to dedicate this show to him, actually, you know. I can't uh, tan or eat a well-done steak without thinking of that, man, so. <laughs> I'm Jamie, and Sock Daddy almost got stuck in the lint filter this morning. <laughs> if you think that's bad, I can't wear a belt or spend a pair of boots without thinking about his mom. <laughs> She might be in them. <laughs> yeah, we're reviewing Tis Time to Smell the Roses. Season 7, episode 23, original air date May 2nd. Director Jerry Cohen, writer Kevin Coran. Woof, woof. What's a fuck reference? <laughs> uh, special guest stars Susan Peretz as Miss Blob. Uh, Blaub. Sorry, some errant flesh was blocking the screen here. I couldn't read it. He knows her name. It was in a, it was a descriptive term. <laughs> exactly. Peter Jason as manager, Shanga Parker as Habib one, Ted Davis as Habib two, Charlene Tilton as Charlene Tilton. <laughs> Peg spends all of Al's early retirement money and forces him to go back to work. The title of this episode: "Tis time to smell the roses." is uh, from the phrase, take time to stop and smell the roses, uh, made famous by Ann Landers, the uh, columnist. I did not know she made she was the yep. inceptor of that phrase. Sunday, it's an all-star night on Fox. First, guest star James Brown gets a brand new do. What else, Coming up! On In Living Color. Then, catch Heavy D, Tone Loke, and In Vogue on Rock Live. And it wasn't easy to get Dallas's Charlene Tilton on Married with Children. Ah, oh, come on. Give me her for a slice of cheese and a Ritz cracker. Then, rocker Lita Ford makes Herman her love slave. I want my underwear back. On Herman's Head, all new episodes on an all-star night. Sunday on Fox. So, uh, we start off in the Bundy living room, and it's time to play make-believe daddy with a sock puppet. <laughs> uh, just so weird why they would even do that. I guess they are so desperate to have a dad that they like and enjoy spending time with. So, they do this. Well, kids, it's Friday afternoon. You know what that means. We play make-believe daddy! Yeah! Hi, kids. I'm home. Daddy. Would you like your pipe and slippers now, daddy? 
<laughs> what would you like, beautiful? Just hold me in your powerful argyle arms. <laughs> Kids, go put on some Johnny Mathis and uh, get out of here. <laughs> when it all really happened, I didn't think it, there was a huge payoff to this whole joke, but in a weird way, like the jokes that came after made it actually work and i didn't think it worked so well at the moment did you guys feel that way i i just looked at it like they, <laughs> they're just trolling poor al like he's at work he's about to come home <laughs> and they're just constantly messing with him no matter what to the point where they have a <laughs> puppet <laughs> like it's just it's just so insulting like on so many like they have nothing better to do to n- nothing better to do with their time rather than just troll L. Right. So Peg says, "Kids, go go put on some jo- Johnny Mathis and get out of here." Uh, he, uh, if you don't know Johnny Mathis, he was a very diverse uh, recording artist. Uh, he had Brazilian, Spanish, uh, soul, rhythm, blues, show tunes, soft rock, country music, disco songs. So this guy did everything. So pretty famous. Al walks in. Ah, no, not the sock again. <laughs> How come he gets a pipe and slippers? I've had a cold for three days, I gotta sleep in the garage. It's for your own good, Al. You know what they say starve a cold, freeze a fever. <laughs> well, I've got a good mind not to tell you what happened at work today. <laughs> hey, hey, and it was real interesting, too. <laughs> Well, Sock Daddy almost got stuck in the lint filter today. Yep. <laughs> like, that's his big day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I always looked at that as a, as a sign of uh, being an adult, is when you regularly check the lint trap and keep up on it. I do, man. That's sad. Because my wife does not. She'll, wa- she'll do like six loads of laundry without ever even thinking oh. about it. Some of those sweaters, like sweatshirts you put in too, like that's all it'll take is a couple of those bad boys to just fill that lint trap right up. Oh, yeah. You know what's funny is I always check it before I run it, but the the thing is every time I go to check it, there's nothing in it. Every time he walks by, like he'll be, I'll have a load of laundry. Yeah, I, I don't know why he's so obsessive about it, but I'll have a load of laundry in the dryer, and he'll go in there and pull out the lint trap. But I'm like, what are you doing? Like, just give it a minute. <laughs> yeah. Let but it collect the lint. Yeah. I actually had um, clothes caught that caught on fire. No. When I was um, okay, there was one point where I lived in an, I lived in an apartment by myself, and I didn't have you know laundry facilities in my apartment. It was just like a little small apartment. So I would go over to my friend's house and do laundry while I was hanging out with her. And that was actually my washer and dryer anyway at her house. (laughs) But then um, I, several years ago, I broke my foot and was, so I wasn't very mobile. So she would take my laundry and do it for me. Well, one morning she, and then it was also, it was my right foot. So she would actually come and drive me to work in the morning. And (laughs) she came to pick me up one morning and she's like, I don't have your laundry. And I was like, that's okay. And she's like, well, I had to, I had to wait for the fire department. I'm like, what are you talking about? My, the dryer caught on fire because she never cleaned the lint trap. Oh, no. So it happened. So that's not a myth. 
No, 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 no. It happened, and it all it practically burned down her kitchen, and all of my laundry was just <laughs> in flames. It was awful. So, so of course, it happened wow. during my laundry. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, of course, of course. Now, when she, so when she said she didn't have your laundry, no, she it literally is gone. It's gone. <laughs> yeah. And she didn't lead with that. It was just like, sorry, I don't have your laundry. You know, I had to wait for the fire department. <laughs> Nobody will ever again either. Right? Wow. That's a cautionary tale. Yeah, I have the opposite problem. Every single time I check, it's full of lint because my wife never looks at it. So if I tell her that one story, she will always, because she's like a hypochondriac, she'll find a way that she might die any five minutes. So all I have to do is tell her that, and that's the end. She will always clean it. So thank you for that story. <laughs> well, it's a true story. It actually happens. It is very dangerous. So yeah, very useful. make sure everybody out there check your lit traps. <laughs> wow. So Al says, how come he gets pipe and slippers? Uh, I've had a cold for three, three days, and I've been sleeping in the garage. That reminds me of when Peg went crazy when the kids were sick and remember and buck and he sneezed and they didn't want to get seven sick so they all had to sit out on the front porch and stuff yep yeah and ed o'neill clearly had a cold this episode he sounds horrible so a lot of people figure they just added that line in to like cover up this whole thing like we have to address why al sounds so raspy wow i don't even notice i I didn't even notice. I didn't I'm either. sure I would now if I watched, but I didn't. I, yeah, it's weird. I didn't notice at all. See, I always notice, and the reason why is because the Miss Blaub scene is one of my favorite all-time scenes of Married with Children, and mm-hmm. that scene constantly gets posted alone. You know, like you know, just Al job job interview, whatever. Not interview, but you know. Yeah. So that's always posted, and I always watch it because I love it. And I always, I'm always like, man, too bad he sounds so bad. He was obviously sick during this, uh, this episode. He just, it just sticks out so bad how he sounds. So when, when this, uh, episode came up, I hit forward by accident and I noticed the, that scene is in this episode and I was like, oh, so this, Al's going to sound bad the whole time. So then I had to rewind it just to watch it. And then when it started, he said that. I was like, oh, wow, look, they even, like, put that in there. That's interesting. So, yeah. So it all makes sense now. <laughs> yep. Marriage stinks, have a kid. Kid stinks, have another. <laughs> <laughs> like, if that doesn't sum up everything in life, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> says the says the three people on the show who don't have kids. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I guess marriage is good. Just leave it that way. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> or you're soon to be, whatever. <laughs> you're, you know. Stop there. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's sock daddy top this. I've been offered early retirement. <laughs> They've offered to uh, give me a year's pay, a check. For twelve thousand dollars. Would you like your pipe and slippers now, Daddy? <laughs> they do a pretty bold thing here and they give his exact uh yearly wages. Twelve thousand dollars 
excluding taxes, mean that Al earned five seventy-seven an hour if he worked forty hours a week for you know fifty-two weeks a year. So he makes five seventy-seven an hour, and that's uh, what was it nineteen ninety-three ninety-three. Now I was making five oh five an hour in nineteen ninety-six at my first job ever in Burger King. Oh. So he made more than I did years before. So he's he's making more than minimum wage. So that's not too bad, really. Did you? What did you think of that job? Oh, it was just gross. He always went home smelling like grease. You ran, you ran around and just did a lot of hectic work for for nothing. Like, and it's weird because like as I got older, every time I got paid way more, you did way less. Which is the <laughs> right. weirdest. Like, I'd make five times that, and I did ten times less work. You know? It's just, like, the weirdest thing. Like, you're always on your feet, always... It, it's the knowledge of doing those things. Like, those tasks. Like, okay, so if you mess up at your job, Alex, people could die. Right. Like, like yeah. but, and, and I guess that's true of Burger King as well. But, you know, uh, the chances of handing somebody an extra sweet and sour sauce, like <laughs> the chances of you dying is much less. Yeah. Yeah. Because they never get my order right. So, so well, many it, people's first right. job was Burger King because they hire earlier. Um, oh. Like like you can get a job at Burger King when you're 15 with a work permit. Everybody else, you have to be 16. So I know so many people whose first job was Bur- Brian's first job was Burger King. He worked there until he turned 16, and then he went to work at Kroger. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was 16 when I started working there. Yeah, I, I, I'm still really, um, like, <laughs> bent out of shape about Burger King. Last time I went, it was the worst Burger King ever. Like, I, I ordered two Whoppers. The guy kept interrupting me before I was even done. He was just like, yeah, is that it? And I'm like, no, dude, I'm still talking. I like giving <laughs> cheese on the Whopper. Like, it's, just, it's not, like, hard stuff, right? So, anyways, I knew that that I should check my order. It wasn't wrong. It was not wrong, but they literally gave me like five fries in one of them. I'm like, you guys, and they were cold as hell. I'm like, you guys are the absolute worst. Like, and I hate to, I hate to use that, that phrase because it sounds condescending, but it's like, how hard is your job, honestly? Right. Well, whenever these people mess things up so bad, and this happens to me all the time, I'm the king of getting my order wrong. (laughs) Like, I could be so clear to people. And it doesn't matter. Everyone, it's a running joke at this point. It's been going on since like 2005. Yeah. Oh, that's brutal. Everyone, like, if a whole group of people orders something, mine will be wrong. Oh, no. This never fails. Never, ever, ever. It's a running joke. Like, what will be wrong with this? We open it and go, oh, okay, there you go. You know, like, there's always something yeah. wrong with my order. Firehouse <laughs> used to be so terrible. It closed. Yeah. And that's probably why. But they were right. the worst. I seriously. Not even kidding. I think I went through there once that they got the order completely right. But every trip to that Burger King requires you to go there two times because you always had to go back and get something fixed. And it was right. It's right down there, like right around the corner. So it's not a big deal. But I like, God damn it. Like how hard? Just how hard is your job? An occasional mistake. I understand. I worked in restaurants, too. I get it. Occasionally make. But every time. Every time. It's amazing. It's like they're doing it as a goof to see. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah, just to see. <laughs> to see if exactly. you'll come back. I never. 
I've never worked at one of those places, but the menu isn't that extensive. You know, you've got different variations of burgers. You got some chicken patties and and mainly fries and some chicken nuggets. Like it, it's not that. Like how how do you mess that up? That's why I get mad. I started saying really mean things because I'm like, I don't know what to say anymore about this. Like literally, one time I went to a sub shop. Now I don't know how it is in wherever you live, but in Jersey, sometimes they put mayo on Italian subs for some reason. Right. So I went to a place I never was before, and I said, "I'll have half an Italian sub, uh, no mayo, and uh, everything else." So they start making it, and I'm just looking at the guy as I'm standing there. He smears mayo across the top of the the bread. I go. That's not mine, right? And he goes, yeah. I go, I said, no mayo. Yeah. And then he gets an attitude with me instantly. And he goes, I thought you said you want mayo. They don't come with mayo. So when you said mayo, I thought that's what you wanted. I go, well, that's too bad. I said, no mayo. I don't care what it comes with. I just wanted to make sure you didn't put mayo on it. So what? Now it's my fault that I said no mayo and you heard just mayo? Right. Now I'm the asshole here. <laughs> right? That's why I like Subway. They make them right in front of you. You walk as they go along with the steps. Yep. I don't get it, Al. You mean they're going to pay you just to sit around the house? Yes, Peg. Quite a little novel idea for you, isn't it? <laughs> but I don't know what I should do. Well, that's never stopped you from taking me. <laughs> Shouldn't stop you from taking $12,000. Oh, take the money, Al. I mean, look what work has done for you. You got lines in your face, your cheeks are sallow, you lost all your hair. Peg, that's what you've done to me. But work can't be helping. Besides, just think what we could do with that money. Al, we could pay off our visa. (laughs) Oh, do it for me, baby. I don't know how much longer I can go without charging again. I didn't work 20 years to pay off a visa bill. Creditors don't get one penny. How dare they expect us to pay for five-year-old items? I mean, if they're stupid enough to give me credit, let them raise their interest and let the honest people pay for it. So, Marcy bursts in. All right, we have had enough. Every day, our paper is missing. We never see you take it, but we know it's you. We have many signs that point directly to you. Our stoop smells. Our roses have been used as a restroom. And I keep finding all of these loose hairs all over our porch, which look like they were once here, here, or in there. How dare you accuse me or any member of my law-abiding family. I demand an apology. <laughs> so Buck comes in with a newspaper in his mouth, drops it by Al. So he's the thief, but uh, Al's the one who wets the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a bad dog. <laughs> yeah, I stole... At least I wasn't the one who wet the bushes. Look, you don't have to worry about us stealing anything anymore. Al just got $12,000 for early retirement. Oh, that's great, Al. 
Well, you could live off the interest. See, if you don't touch your capital, your interest could earn as much as $12 a week. Really? (laughs) You could use the time off, old paint. Uh, Don't wind up like my dad. The man worked through his 70s. Every day of his life, his back bent from work. Mm. Was he a coal miner? No, gigolo. (laughs) Uh, He was always going to retire, but then it was too late. Tragically died preparing for a job. Burned to death in a tanning bed. (laughs) Well, at least he died the way he always wanted to. No tan lines. He was a gigolo. I mean, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? No, it does not. I can't tan or eat a well-done steak without thinking of that man. My poor baby. His was a close but tragic family. His mother was an exotic dancer. She was swallowed whole by her snake during a break at airport totally nude. I can't wear a belt or buy an expensive pair of boots without thinking she's in them. This is big, though, because, you know, we talk a lot about, um, you know, characters, backstories and stuff like that. Or in a lot of situations, the lack thereof. Right. Mm -hmm. So for them, for them to go with this as Jefferson's parents backstory, (laughs) it's pretty extreme. Right. Like, what? so we got a gigolo and, and a stripper. It's extreme for a joke to just make it a passing joke in an episode. Right. For people who put some thought into this show, you're really, like you said, that's a, it's a real extreme <laughs> for a passing joke. Yep. So now that's, that's your canon forever. Right. You know, it's weird. Um, that's it. Do I care? Does it hurt anything? No, but I just hope nothing changes in the future. I hope we don't hear anything differently, you know? it's like yikes right (laughs) i mean and jefferson's no stranger to a tanning bed so he it's not like he has some kind of uh post-traumatic stress about it right you know right and and that's very telling too though like and like you said i mean normally nobody would ever actually think about this too much but it does it does provide some context for Jefferson, right? Like he he didn't just uh, you know uh, he was he was born that way. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's all he's known. Like his parents are like that too, so it makes perfect sense that he is the way he is. You know, like he didn't become this person; he was born this person. Yeah. <laughs> destiny. This is destiny. It's just destiny. <laughs> Come, Jefferson, in honor of your parents. Come dance naked for me and then pleasure me. Yes. Yes, I'll do it for mom and dad. I just hope wherever they are, they're watching. You know, I think we might be better off if we bought our own newspaper and get those people the hell out of here. But you know, there's something to be learned from Jefferson's extra crispy dad. <laughs> Comes a time when a man has accomplished all he can do. I think you already have. I fear you're right. <laughs> but you know, it wouldn't be bad to have a little extra money in the bank around this time. 
So I'm going to do it. I'm going to retire. And then I'll have more time to pursue my real hobby. Hey, what are you doing out here? We've got room for you, too, right here in Retirement Village. Al puts both of his hands down his pants because now there's room for the other one. Uh, I don't know why there's room in there now that he's uh, not working, but he did think of the <laughs> two. I have two hands just earlier. Like they're almost kind of piggybacking off of the joke from unalful entry when he put his other hand to rub his butt and the one, you know, the one went down the pants. That's what I thought of. Yep. Al's retirement clothes. Wow. He always does this. Just like when he wore the glasses and everything. Like, he gets full into loser mode really easily. Like, old man, geezer, pull pants up to the chest. You know, right below the chest line. Like, he always dresses for the part. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Daylight come and I workin' no more. Daylight come and I workin' no more. That's Deo, you know, the Banana Boat song, um, the Jamaican folk song. Now, we've heard this parodied before on the show. It was sung in Eatin' Out, the episode, um, uh, talking about Uncle Henry and how he uh, toasts day-old bread or whatever. So that it doesn't feel stale or, or something, some weak old bread, something like that. On the episode that you guys reviewed, Married with Aliens, they did that song too. That that was a moment too where you ever you ever feel like that where you just feel like extra good on like your day off. That's what it reminded me of when Al came down with his shirt. Like just hey, I'm off now, and he's just so happy. <laughs> like even when he's making fun of Peg, he's just happy doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I see deadly red tarantula. But I sit here with my hand in my pantula. Happy, honey. Yeah. Good. Because I think you've had enough time to relax. You've slept late and you're sat down. Now it's time to get another job. But, Peg, we got $12,000. Honey... How long do you think $12,000 is going to last? I mean, we've only had that money for an hour, and already it's down to $10,000. And that is just for hair, nails, and $1,800 worth of junk. Well, this is heartbreaking already because Peg already spent $2,000 of Al's $12,000 in just hours that he's had it. Like This is so frustrating for me. That's one-sixth of his mo- retirement money is gone already. And, and what did she say? She spent the majority of it on junk, right? See, and going back, though, to when he even told everybody about this money, that that bothered me again. Because literally, like, you know, shame, uh, fool me once, shame on me, but, uh, or whatever, sorry. Yeah, I, know what <laughs> I don't know the saying. But, you know, it's it's totally Al's fault. For, for coming back again, letting his family know that he's getting this money, and then giving it to her? Like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding? Like, I, for, oh, to stay away from the creditors or something like that? He, he would have been better off burying it, you know, hiding it from Peck again, 
literally. Yeah, just don't have it in your bank account. Uh, chalk it up to literally a loss. Like if you bring money into that house, A, Peg's going to get it, and then B, you know she's going to turn around and spend it as quickly as possible on the dumbest things possible. So I don't even feel bad for Al anymore. I'm just like, you idiot. Like why would yeah. you – why would you even do that? And then he and then he's shocked when she comes home, and and she's got nothing but junk. Like he's just like, what? What? What do you mean? Well, uh, come on, Al. Yeah, at this point, yeah, the sympathy part's over. You're just dumb, dude. Right. It's still heartbreaking, but yeah, it is. It, no, it and it, you know what? It, it very much so is. But at the same time, I, the sympathy at this point is gone because it's happened so many times now. <laughs> Now, honey, am I going to have to spend all of this money before you realize it's time to get a new job? But you know, it doesn't have to be just any job. It should be something you can be proud of. A step up. That's why I've made an appointment for you. You see, there's an opening for a guy to separate garbage into paper, plastic, and spit. (laughs) If you hurry, you can be that guy. So Peg suggests that Al should work in a recycling plant. Now, I don't know if this is a reference to that. It would be really uh, cruel, I guess. But there was a commercial back in the early 90s of a, uh, I guess, mentally retarded kid. Mm -hmm. He would say uh, on the commercial he worked in a recycling plant and he was like, Clear gloss here, green there, brown there. I sort gloss, that's my job. I learned the job slow, and now I know it by heart. He earns money. He pays taxes. He's just like you. ARC, the Association for Retarded Citizens. Don't throw us away. (laughs) Oh, you know, Patrick showed me that commercial. I wonder if that was like a northern thing, because I never saw it. But Patrick showed it to me years ago, and he's, you know, he was from Brooklyn. So... But uh, don't throw me away. (laughs) It was so sad. Yeah, like, but as a kid growing up, like an adolescent, it was the thing to make fun of. Because back then you just made fun of, you know, mentally retarded people. Like it was, you know, the 80s and 90s were a very different time than it is now. Everything was a big joke, you know, and now it's like, oh, how can you make fun of people like that? Um, Especially when you get older, it's like, well, dude, come on, that guy's life is is horrible. How can you, you know, that's messed up. Why, why are you making a joke? But back then, oh my god, right? Uh, it was a free for all. Oh god, that that commercial was quoted so many times. Me and my sister did it all the time. So I wonder if that whole thing that Al should work there is like kind of like saying, you know, yeah, right, uh, that his mental capacity is not the you know most vast. But Peg, why can't getting a job wait till tomorrow? Al, there is a lot of competition out there in the job pool. Why every day, more illegal immigrants, some of whom speak English, (laughs) are out there flooding the job market. Now, if you were a customer, what would you rather hear? Yeah, yeah, I'll get you a slushy. Or, please, sir, I will gladly serve you a slushy. Thank you for not killing me. Believe me, honey, I love you. And I wouldn't hire you to put phone sex cards under windshield wipers. <laughs> Besides, you know, $10,000 is really... Hello? Oh, yes, I, I did place that order. Thank you. 
$9,000. It's really, really not a lot in this day and age. Especially since we put it in my name to hide it from the creditors. Oh, hey, that reminds me. Where is my money? Yeah. Like I'm really gonna tell you. The way you just fritter it away. That'll be for me. I ordered the entire Elvis plate collection from the Franklin Mint. Now, there's no guarantee that they'll go up in value. But all the others have. There's no guarantee they'll go up in value, but others have. Now, my parents fell for this stuff, too. Now, these were really nice plates. They were just, like, plates that you put in these, like, round frames, and they're painted beautifully, and the artwork's usually always amazing. They were in the business of making collectibles, but is something a collectible if it's made to be one? Like, isn't that isn't that really, like, something, oh, my God, you have that? And then it's you know super rare. But when something is bought to buy this, and it'll go up in value in twenty years, it's like, oh, okay. So you don't really hear about that <laughs> anymore. But there were commercials all the time for the Franklin Mint, whatever that means. Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, the mint. <laughs> so, but yeah, this is a callback to I'm going to Sweatland, where uh, Peg was obsessed with Elvis, and Marcy was obsessed with Elvis, but not that. She's related in this scenario. But, uh, yeah, anytime you go back to Sweatland, it's always a good little nod. So we get to the greatest scene ever. Of course, I've said that a couple times, but this is up there. Top 10. Amazing. Al at the employment office. And she calls it employment <laughs> office. Is it really an unemployment office? Basically. I, I Yeah, that's what I always call it. Right? Yeah. The, the unemployment office, right? They, they call them different things, like a workforce development, uh, however you want to spin it. But yeah, it's the unemployment office. <laughs> yeah, I know you're there to be employed, but it's the unemployment office, I think, right? <laughs> I don't know. Right. <laughs> no, you're right. You're, you're definitely right. And it would be funnier if her line said unemployment. How rare that we see a, a guy who played high school football in an unemployment office. It would be funnier if she said it that way. Right. Um, but yeah, so we go through this whole thing. Um, there's this obese woman working there. She's at a desk and Al's sitting in front of her. So he has no shame in his game. Her name is, uh, Susan Peretz. She is, uh, she died actually, believe it or not, in 2004. Oh, wow. At age 64. Wow. She's known for Dog Day Afternoon, Poltergeist 2, Babes. Loose cannons. But yeah, Miss Blab was awesome. Um, uh, and so, uh, Miss uh, Blaub. Miss Blaub. Uh, yeah, but I'm sorry. Uh, your name was partially obscured by some uh, errant flesh. Um, when the, the transcript for this episode first went online, there was a whole back and forth about whether or not Al said her name was obscured by some hair and flesh or errant flesh. The uh, subtitles say errant flesh. And that's what I always thought she that he said. And I've seen uh, a lot of old Fox promos in 1991. There was a show called Babes starring this chick and other large women. I never saw the show, but uh, judging by the promos, I I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't last more than one season. 
So I, <laughs> I definitely remember that, though. <laughs> this exchange is just amazing. And like I said, Al's raspy voice is probably the only downside to it all. As I was saying, I- I'm just not going to take anything. Unlike you at a buffet. <laughs> so, um, uh, what do you have for me? Some men in speed stick at my desk. <laughs> well, uh, let me give you a little tip. It goes under your arms. <laughs> if you could ever get them horizontal. You don't really hear about men in speed stick too much anymore. Um, it was like the leader in deodorants at the time. It even was the the company that made Teen Spirit, the Nirvana uh, deodorant. <laughs> he says the deodorant goes under your arms if you, if you could ever get them horizontal. <laughs> <laughs> like this, she's another one. Like what a sport, man. Right. <laughs> you know? Like, you know you're obese and everything, but it's like, what? at what point do you get to where you're like, well, I'm okay with being completely ridiculed on national, t- on one of the biggest shows ever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no one will miss this. Well, I can see that you are a real people person. So let's get you the hell out of here as quickly as possible. How many years of college did you have? <laughs> Did you go to high school? Pokai! While I find you fat and repulsive, I'll gladly regale you with tales of my four touchdowns in one game. Oh, how rare it is to have someone who played high school football in an employment office. What, Blob? Blob! I know your name. That was a descriptive term. Now, look, I'm putting myself in your sweaty bloated hands here. I'm looking for a career not just a job you know like a, a doctor or a guy who plays with hooters all day that would be an anesthesiologist <laughs> yeah pretty much every line was just was just constant like crossfire oh yeah and she's like do you have any skills <laughs> Well, don't worry. I think we have something perfect for a man with your qualifications. Tell me, do you have any skills? Well, I'm uh, naturally inquisitive. Um, for instance, I'm wondering uh, just how strong that chair is. You're sitting here. <laughs> that, was a, that was a laugh out loud moment for sure. Uh, I mean, that was just brilliant. That was one of those scenes that is like, this is why I watch this show. Perfect job for you. I mean, yes. just brilliant. And that was Kevin Curran's writing. So good, man. So she has just the job for Al. He's back at a friggin' shoe store, man. Home play athletic shoe. Okay, line up. Customers will be coming in soon. You guys ready? Wow. And he has to wear an umpire uniform. Now, that's worse than having your own little shoe store, in my opinion. <laughs> the only thing worse than being a shoe salesman is being one there. Yeah, yeah, you think, how can it get worse? And then that happens. It's like, oh, yeah. It got worse. Uh, Al uh, is there, and he meets the three Habibs. <laughs> three guys, Indian guys, all named Habib. 
And that's a callback to the gas station show. Remember that one where the, he yes. put a gas station shirt on? Habib? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I immediately thought of that. Yep. All right, Bundy, meet the people you'll be working with. I like to call them the three Habibs. <laughs> yeah. That's management for you. They're all alike. Never get to know your real name. No, it is true. We're all named Habib. <laughs> well, how do I tell you apart? It is easy. You just call us Habib and point to the one you wish to speak to. That's what we do. Is that not right, Habib? <laughs> yes, it is, Habib. The most distinguished-looking Habib is actually Bud's friend Ahmed from Season 7, Episode 6, Frat Chance. Uh, I which one was so. that? One, two, or three? Oh, I think maybe one. I don't know. <laughs> okay. That's Shanga Parker. Oh. Yeah. He was the guy who was in Frat Chance. And he comes back in uh, episodes Spring Break 1 and 2 as Ahmed again. Okay. So he just plays Habib for this one episode. <laughs> He's famous for Law and Order, Leverage, and In Lieu of Flowers. Wow. <laughs> That's a really good one. <laughs> that they just couldn't find anyone else, and uh, they had to go with the Habib thing, so it was like, well, maybe nobody will remember you being Bud's friend. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. I haven't figured this out yet, but I could have swore that, um, that, that the third one, is, uh, I think they call him Abdul in old school. Am I wrong? Like, it looks exactly like little Abdul in old school to me. I don't have an IMDb on the other two, almost as if they didn't make one. So th- that's what I'm saying. That That's what I mean. So I'm, I'm trying to look up, uh, I'm trying to backpedal here and start from the old school perspective. But yeah, it looks exactly like him. If okay. I'm wrong, then... Then yeah, but I'm pretty sure it is. Wow. Well, then we got this the the boss of this store, played by Peter Jason, who's known for Forty Eight Hours, Mortal Kombat, the nineteen ninety five movie. <laughs> oh no. They live and escape from LA. So the rest were pretty good, uh, who he's known for, but just not that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Learn our names quickly, old one. Soon we will be ownership hobbies. This shoe store is for sale, and we are saving our money to buy. Ah, just go ahead and play the lottery. There's no money in shoes. I was selling shoes when you guys were just a gleam in a New York taxi cab driver's eyes. Honey, I've been called away on urgent business. One of the prostitutes I use is free. I'm leaving you in charge. The whistle is yours. <laughs> What do you guys think of this? Because now they seem to be running with this uh, whole idea by just blatantly talking about prostitutes. Like, we just did that again in unalful entry when the, the judge says, Mr. Bundy, I have a date with a prostitute. But we have to go by procedure, you know? So that's the thing on this show now, talking about how your prostitute's free or whatever. <laughs> And it's from two different writers. That was L&L... Uh, no, that, I'm thinking of a different one. But it wasn't Kevin Coran, I know. So yeah, two different writers come up with the same prostitute joke. Or maybe that's like Moy or Levitt's, you know, input into the script. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
so they put Al in charge. Now, did any of you get, like, that weird feeling like, that's strange. Isn't Al the newest guy here? Why is he in charge? Yeah, right? That Yeah, that that was my first thought. I'm like, okay, that's, that's weird. But, I, like, in our eyes, Al Bundy's a legend. So, like, it makes sense like that. But in terms of these people that don't know him, okay, yeah, I guess we'll go with that. And then Al just blatantly says that the guy's mistrust in foreigners put him in charge. <laughs> I mean, is there any other reason? <laughs> Nothing, you can't make sense of it besides that, right? Right. <laughs> so now, uh, so all all these guys want to buy the shoe store for whatever reason. They're all saving their money to buy the shoe store. So now that's a thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So now Al wants to buy the shoe store. Now it's in his head. Now he wants to do it. So that's the thing. We all want to just buy a shoe store. Management I'm the boss Finally somebody's mistrust in foreigners Has put me in charge Okay huddle up Alright I'm running this team now And remember There's no I in shoe store Here's what we're gonna do We're gonna run a zone Habib You cover running shoes Habib You cover cross trainers And Habib you cover a hot dog with mustard and you bring it back here. Ready? Break! I like this. I like this so much, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy this shoe store and be the last American in this country to own his own business. Hi, I'm Charlene Tilton, and I'd like to introduce you to the Abdominizer. Charlene Tilton is exercising in the Bundy living room. You know, she's an actress and singer, and she's best known for playing Lucy Ewing, the uh, niece of J.R. Ewing, you know, Larry Hagman, on the television series Dallas. Did she shoot him? No, she did not. She appeared in tons of commercials for the Abdominizer. Like, this was a real thing. Uh, in the 90s, um, she appeared in uh, a bunch of send-up comedies like Silence of the Hams, Superhero Movie, and Paranormal Calamity in 2010. Like, she does all these, like, spoof movies. In 2005, she appeared in the British reality TV show The Farm. Uh, this whole thing with the Abdominizer. So, the sales of the Abdominizer were not initially successful. When it was advertised in infomercials, by 1992, it sold 1.5 million. At 1995 was the price, um, and it's all directly from TV advertising. And two million more were sold in stores. <laughs> Um, this was described as a classic example of the way infomer infomercials can drive the retail market. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, that's when it became, like, a huge thing. Once they saw this, they were like, wait a minute, what? Wired Magazine described it as a symbol for TV shopping channels everywhere, a cheaply made overpriced widget that is destined to be unpacked, tried exactly once, and consigned to the basement. <laughs> like 
Suzanne Summers and the Thigh Master. Remember how big that, that was? was? Huge. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was the same thing. Oh, oh yeah. I actually used the Thigh Master quite a bit. Did I, you? I used to love it. Yeah, it. Yeah, I used to love that thing. It actually worked. I well, never had an abdominizer sense. though. Did you ever get Charlene Tilton to come exercise in our living room? Well, I called to order one of those things, but I wasn't sure that I wanted to buy it. So she rushed right over to answer all my questions. It's easy and fun. <laughs> you just described me, you former Dallas cutie. <laughs> I like to call myself Abdominizer B. But, uh, I don't need no stinking exerciser. I get plenty of exercise up in my room. Yes, but with the abdominizer, for the first time, you could have some company. We almost get a little glimpse of Grandmaster B. Um, he turns his hat like <laughs> Grandmaster B again. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Right? Still didn't work. No, it didn't work. He immediately gets shot down, and she talks about how he's usually alone in his bedroom. <laughs> uh, Grandmaster B was uh, brought up on the latest episode of Cut to the Chase because the lead in Leprechaun in the Hood, his name is Postmaster P. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally the same thing. I was like, oh, man. So we had to do some bud talk on that one. All right. Listening to your show, Dan, you got you actually bring up the Married with Children show a lot. A lot. I love it. It's 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 a good time. Like and especially with a show like this where we love it so much, I definitely noticed a difference with a franchise that I don't love so much. Right. <laughs> like like you're you're more you're more forgiving with stuff like this because of the characters, because of, you know, it's the, it's a show that you love and it makes sense. But yeah, man, looking at some of these, it's just like, wow, like what I, I was trying to, my main thing with the whole series is I can't put myself in the position of these writers who thought that this was like a great idea. Like this was, this was going to change the game. Like this is like, oh, or this is really funny. Like it's just none of those things. It's none of them. The only great idea is the leprechaun. The only good idea is podcasting on it with you guys. That's what made it fun, you know? <laughs> Nothing else is good. Check out those episodes <laughs> if anybody's interested. Uh, Jamie's on episode three. Alex is on four. Yeah, y'all. Yeah, check me out, man. Check Jamie out. Um, yeah, check out the whole show, Cut to the Chase. We don't mention that enough on this show. Dan has a show <laughs> where he does horror and non-horror um, so always just check out, uh, subscribe to Cut to the Chase and uh, just see the topics and see if you're into any of them. And I pop least... up there quite a bit. Yes. Um, and if yes. anybody out there is ever curious as to what our significant others sound like, well, I guess you've heard Lacey. But if anybody has ever wondered about my husband, he comes on there with me too because he's also a podcaster. Yeah, you got you guys have made that so much fun. Just it, it, and that, that it's just my whole initial conception of it what was one thing and it is that but like times 10 like i never thought it would it would go over so well and, and everything would flow like it did so and i have you guys to thank for it so yeah i i've been having so much fun with that show oh i'm so glad you're having fun it's a good show thank you and i'm having fun with this show it dawned on me the other day i said i'm so happy to be doing this oh <laughs> 
Yeah, like I'm so glad that Married with Children is what we're doing. I forgot why it struck me, but I was so happy that this is the content that we're diving into because it's it's just so great. Right. I'm so well, happy because there was a time when you were like burnt out and yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work. But and to know that you're happy doing it, it makes me happy. A lot of people do get burnt out on podcasting too, though. I think that with us, just because, and I'm not saying, oh, we've been doing it for so, but because we've been doing it for so long, we've learned that, you know, okay, well, if we can't do it someday, nothing to lose sleep about. We'll get it done one way or another sometime this week. So knowing that, that you know, and, and being consistent, that's a whole other thing, especially now too, with a lot of people jumping on Skype, um, you know, with with the whole virus situation, it's like everybody's doing this a lot. And it's like, to, to me, nothing's changed. We've been doing this forever. <laughs> I now know what's been holding me back all these years. Hmm. That would be us. <laughs> I bet he has a new plan to change his future. I should have killed you years ago. <laughs> Oh, and it's funny because Peg doing this, like blowing through all of Al's money, you almost you want to strangle her in the same way that she was um, very unlikable back in season. I think I cited this and I was dead on because because they totally caught on to this, too, and changed her character. There was a time when Peg was just reprehensible. Right. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Annabelle, but it's true. Uh, true. Oh, Christina, PA. When he said that line about Peg, though, too, you know how you said, like, it just hit me with the show, too? I, By the way, I often have those moments as well where it just hits me and, like, I'm super appreciative of all this. It just, like, really does hit me. What also hit me with that joke is I was like, man – they are on fire with these jokes on this episode. And that's when it hit me during that joke. When, when he said that to Peg, I was like, that was so ruthless. And it was just kind of like a like a, like a, a backup one, too. I'm like, wow, they are spitting fire with this episode. Like, damn. Surprisingly, because <laughs> it's such a low-key, just another Married with Children app. It's, it's, it's better than it should be. It's to form in every possible way. It's what you would expect from this, and but that's what I love about it. You know, stay inside that wheelhouse and and see what you can get out of it. These are my favorite ones, where like I said, they stay in their wheelhouse, and you know, even him going to the employment office or whatever. Like that's just like it, that could have been the librarian, that could have been like anybody. You right, know, right. it's just it's such a it's such a age old setup, but it always works, and that's the point. It works, and it works beautifully. If it didn't, we not only would this be a totally different conversation, but that you you would be able to tell the decline if people were sick of that type of stuff. But it's perfect. No. No, this is a very unique episode, and I'm definitely going to, when I encapsulate it, I'll talk about that. If you really want to change your future, start with your stomach. Why, I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe in it. Oh, come on. You'd be here for a slice of cheese and a Ritz cracker. (laughs) Now, Peg, I know you can never guess, so I'm just going to tell you. I want to buy a shoe store. It's a gold mine. No, I do not want your opinion. Give me the money. How? What woman would give her husband his money? 
Honey, it just isn't done. Peg, I need it, and I need it now, baby. Can't you see, Peg? I'm actually really excited about something. Well, believe me, Al, I am the expert on this. Wait about 30 seconds, you won't be anymore. Uh, Peg, I'm not going to beg for it. It's my money, and I demand it. Peg, I'm begging you for it now. Give me my money. All right, fine. We'll have a vote. Who doesn't want me to have my money? Now that hurts, Charlene. All right? I now know what I have to do. So, to get the vote swayed, Al takes off his shirt uh, with the dad body. <laughs> oh, Al, you're so cute. You're going to try to earn it by having sex with me. Uh, no, Peg. Nope, going to take my pants off, get a lawn chair. Sit in my underwear over at your college. <laughs> Tell everybody I'm your father. <laughs> and I'm going to go over to your diner where you work. Pull up my hands. <laughs> Tell them all I'm your father. <laughs> then I'm going to go prancing around your beauty parlor. Oh, and did I mention by then I won't be wearing any underwear? <laughs> and then, just for the heck of it, I'm going to have a big sign. It says, I've been using the abdominizer two years, and this is what I look like. <laughs> that was probably the best one out of all these. Yes. Like, they really maximized a lot of jokes here. Now let's vote. Who wants Daddy to get his money? I knew you were all behind me. Now, hey, help me out here. What time is it? Abdominizer. <laughs> 6.30, honey. Alright, 6.30. 6.30, that's fine. Alright, stores are closed. I have to go tomorrow. That's fine. Maybe another buyer. I have to get there early. This is going to be the biggest day of my life. Peg, the only thing you have to do, honey, you have to make sure I wake up at 8 o'clock. Can you do that for me, baby? I'll do it for you, baby. <laughs> so, everything seems fine. He's gonna get the shoe store. Apparently, you could buy a shoe store for only $9,000. I don't think that's a lot of money. That is not. I was surprised by that, too. To make that joke work, probably they should have said when Al retires, he's getting three years salary and then make it $36,000, then let Peg blow through six of it or so, and then, or still three, whatever. But I guess it had to have more of an impact to see it you know, dwindling quicker. But just something so that he has a, a substantial amount of money. So when he tells you later he's going to buy a store, it sounds you know, legit. Somewhat, right. Yeah. But uh, no one woke Al up. So it doesn't matter anyway. They sold the <laughs> shoe store to someone else. Like, I don't even understand this whole premise. Like, it, it was going on sale that week or whatever it yeah. is. Or... Right. Thanks for waking me right on time. You know, it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, honey, if I could handle responsibility, I'd have a job. Well, no harm done. I called to see if they sold the place without me, and the... <laughs> they did. <laughs> they sold it this morning. How about that? Well, who cares? It was just a life dream. You know what, Al? Next time you have a dream, let me know about it. I'll wake you up. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was a little confused, too, with, with with all of what was going on with the plot at this point. 
I, I was trying to make connections and I I really I really couldn't connect the dots the whole Yeah, I got lost somewhere. Yeah, it's well it's a lot of information. Like you said, it's a lot of things implied that like like you said, like I guess it went up for sale. Like, wait, what happened? Like And those three Habibs were interested in buying it, so what a coincidence. Yeah, it's strange how they got to the I guess they said let's just get to the end. Right. And people will go with it because it's a comedy and no one's going to research this. <laughs> so. <laughs> they didn't count on us. It's not like anyone's going to pick it apart years later. And... <laughs> right. Because <laughs> who would do that? It's not like they have a street team working for them. Yeah, we have a research team working for them. <laughs> By the way, shout out to uh, Annabelle and Luigi. Yes, you guys are the best. Thank you so much. Yep. We've condensed the research team. <laughs> but you know, the guy also bought my old shoe store. So, you know, it's hard to find a guy with 20 years experience who will work for minimum wage. So, got my old job back. So, this whole thing struck me as odd. Al says, so the guy also bought Al's old shoe store. So, if you go all the way back to season one in the episode, Where's the Boss?, it was called Gary's Shoes, right? So you go all through the season, although we haven't been there all of season seven, it was pre- presumably, obviously, still called Gary's Shoes. Now, he says someone else bought the shoe store, this guy who bought the uh, home plate shoe store, and it continued to be called Gary's Shoes. Yet there's a big reveal when Al meets the owner, Gary. It turns out Gary is a woman. So someone else owned it back in 1987, and it was Gary's Shoes. Then someone owns it here in 1993, and it's still going to be called Gary's Shoes. Then a woman who happens to be named Gary suddenly owns Gary's Shoes going forward in season eight or nine. I forget when the reveal is, but it's obviously, you know, someone didn't take any of this too seriously and since we didn't meet Al's boss for real in Who's the Boss they kind of glossed over this episode where they said somebody else bought the shoe store so this whole thing is just kind of like it just magically disappears and uh, word to assume that the same person who owned Gary's shoes back in season one still owns it uh, all the way through the entire series and that is the woman Gary but you know the guy also bought my old shoe store so, you know, it's hard to find a guy with 20 years experience who will work for minimum wage. So, got my old job back. Oh, yay, daddy. <laughs> well, at least the slow one is trying. I mean, wow. He's right back. So, that's... You see, on The Simpsons, Homer has had, like, 50 different jobs. They never make sure that things go back to normal at the end of the episode every time. Here, they they did... You know, they want to make sure that by the end of the episode, Al's back at the shoe store. Right. It's so weird that you went to this. I thought that literally that exact thing that you said, I had thought of as well. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, like like with Homer, because, I mean, <laughs> he's had a lot of different jobs and that taken places where, yeah, he's done. He got his old job back, and it turns out he was going to buy the shoe store for $6,000. So Peg used another 3000 that we didn't even know about. Wow. Right, yeah, that we didn't even see. Yeah, we didn't even know that it went that low. So she used half of his retirement money in just days. 
Again, shame on him. Like this is his fault. I have no sympathy for him. But you'll all be rejoicing pretty soon because I have six thousand dollars and I'm going to invest it for the future of my family. Six thousand dollars worth of lottery tickets, Dad. <laughs> Think winner, son. The jackpot was up to sixty million, so he really wa- wanted it. Uh, I don't even know how you would go and check if you won at that point. Right. How could you do it, you know? <laughs> well, it would take a while for sure. The lottery, too, is an interesting thing that people don't seem to understand. When you buy lottery tickets, Al buying $6,000 worth, it's better than what normal people do, I guess, but it's still pointless. Right. Because the odds that you go up of winning are basically <laughs> zero. Right, right, right. Cause, and the logic they'll say is, yeah, but... You lost the one, but you might win on the other one. And so their logic is, so if I buy five lottery tickets a week for just the one drawing, I have five chances to win instead of your one. But what you don't realize is, but it doesn't matter. The percentages that you're going to win don't go up at all. So basically, the only thing you should be doing with the lottery is you either are playing it or you're not. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's the only difference. There is no difference. You could buy 10 lottery tickets. Your chances do not increase. Even if you use the logic, oh, but if I lost this one, I could still win. No. You're not still going to win. You still have zero chance of winning, really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the percentage – yeah, I I see what you're saying, though. The percentage doesn't go up that much if you buy one or ten compared to the number of tickets there actually are. So like what? You have a one in trillion chance. Now right. you have a – A two in trillion. Point, right, it's, it, right. It's nothing. It, it literally – like technically, yes, you have a better chance, but not really. We've just been handed a bulletin. We have a winner in this week's Illinois State Lottery. The winner lives right here in the Chicago area. And who more deserving to win this $60 million than the lowest form of human life, a shoe salesman? Al, I think it's you! It's me, it's me, I know it's me. I know at last an American can dare to dream. How they would trace back and, like, they're they're excited as if, as if they tracked that Al bought the winning ticket somehow. Like, oh, they might announce your name, Al. But it's like, right. no, you'd have to win and tell them that you won. Totally. Why would they know that you bought that ticket? Uh, I <laughs> thought that was very odd. Yes. Yeah, they're like waiting for this to drop. Like, let's see if it's us. He said shoe salesman. Come on. When when you do stupid stuff like that, that makes no sense. Almost, It, it almost implies that it, it's such a setup that it almost feels like like satire. Is that the right word? Like it almost feels like a, a big joke. It's like that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. All they would be able to say is a man bought this in Chicago in this city and that's it. Right. Right. Exactly. For this, yep. this machine. Right. They wouldn't know who did it. <laughs> and the winner is Habib. 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 He did. I got a seven and an eight. I think we won five dollars. They won, and I guess they're beyond buying a shoe store, so they're just going to enjoy their $60 million. And the Bundys won five dollars because they got two numbers right. (laughs) Seven and eight or something. 
So that's all they get. Five bucks for spending $6,000 in lottery tickets. And that's pretty much how it is in real life. <laughs> they summed up everyone's life in a nutshell. Yep. Tis time to smell the roses. Oh, now I get the reference to that. I didn't even think about it, but it's because Al could retire and just sit back and smell the roses, I guess. So that's cool. Yes. <laughs> but uh, he didn't really have the time. No. Uh, short time to smell them. Uh, so how many times are we going to uh, use the abdominizer and then stuff it in the basement out of five, Jamie? Well, interestingly, doing this episode has made my score go up. Yes. I initially, I didn't think it was bad. I did, it was never going to be like a crazy low score, but I was sitting at like a 3.5. I was like, eh. like I didn't, I didn't really feel like all that connected to it. But then as you were talking about it, particularly like the Blaub scene, which, <laughs> that, which actually to me was the highlight oh, yeah. of the show. But then, you know, like Charlene Tilton being there, that's really cool. I was a huge Dallas fan. I, mm. I watched Dallas constantly. So that was like a big deal for me when she showed up. I, you know, as I'm thinking about it while we're all talking about it, I just, I was like, yeah, this is better than that. So it actually went up to a four. Nice. Nice. Dan, how many times are you going to use the abdominizer before you chuck it into the basement out of five? <laughs> how many times do you really think it does? How many times does it look like I've used it? I think you'll take it out of the box and fill it with Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, okay, so literally exactly the same thing that Jamie said. My, my rating went up because a lot of the times when you're watching these episodes, uh, especially now when, when we, we – basically podcast on them, you know, directly after we watch them, you know, at least within a 24 hour period, there's a lot of things that happen where I'm like, yep, I know we're going to talk about that. Like that's going to be a great discussion and stuff like that, but then actually doing it sometimes and, and fleshing these things out, you know, like we talked about Jefferson's parents, like even the lottery thing and, and just all those kind of things. Yeah. My rating went up as well. Uh, I was at a four. I'm at a 4.5 now. So four and a half. I couldn't quite do that last one. I got, I got gassed out, gassed out, bro. I totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get that. This is a classic example of just a, a married children episode. Right. Atypical in the best way possible. In the best way. It maximized all of its jokes. It uh, was strong from beginning to... <clears throat> I'm sounding like Al here. It was, it was strong from beginning to end. All the jokes were great. Some of the things at the end were a little flimsy, didn't make too much sense. But with a show like this, that's just something to talk about on a podcast. But... Um, doesn't matter. Because I'm not insane. It does. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. In terms of rating or anything. <laughs> I was just blown away by how, how good this was. I just didn't think it would be. And with the premise and everything, it just sounded like some bland blah episode. Plus, it's in season seven, which everyone always says, jump the shark and everything. And I got to say, I mean, we have three episodes left. And I can definitely make the proclamation that I love season seven. Yeah. Absolutely. We're talking about numbers, right? Even if they're all duds, it's still great. And I was just thinking, too, 
this might actually be one of the highest rated seasons out of all of us. Right. Collectively, from episode to episode, I because all I keep remembering is, yeah, I remember the duds for sure. Like, you right. can't forget them. But at the same time, I also remember um uh we've been we've been throwing out a lot of fours and fives for you know uh a couple threes and 3.5s but but nothing really that low and i'm thinking i'm thinking jump the shark on my eyes i'm not i'm not subscribing to that at all not at all i'm sorry man <laughs> hate to go against the grain i'm not trying to be some outrageous guy either or anything Ooh, look he's you know no uh, we've been through it together. If you're listening to this, right, you've heard it all. Yeah, like if anybody wants to argue with us, uh, the good thing is we can just send them a link. <laughs> <laughs> like, listen to our episode. Like, this is why we loved it. You know, unless we're all completely crazy, which I guess is a is a possibility. But I don't know. I don't think so. No one said it. Like, no one has said, "Wow, you know, I can't believe we're you know." one-third into this or two-thirds into this or you're starting and I can't believe that you guys have been saying such nice things. This is horrible. Nobody has said that and we put a poll up and most people agree that now that we take a better look at this and stop just doing the seven thing, yep. Um, this really is a great season. Totally. I mentioned this years ago that I brought this season with me on vacation with a laptop my wife takes long to get ready for everything we do on vacation, so I figured I'll watch Married with Children while, while she's doing it. And I brought this along, and I remember really enjoying Season 7, and I thought I was crazy or something. I was like, wow, I must have been drinking a lot that vacation or something, but something made me like this. And now here we are completely dissecting this entire thing minute by minute, and I'm not having a horrible time. This is one of the best times I've had. It's during this this era that it occurred to me that I'm so happy to be doing this podcast. Absolutely, man. I, I have a theory on that as well as to a possible reason why people might think that way about this. Now, stay with me here because uh, this is just from my personal perspective, but I, I think it holds some weight. I really do. So when you go through you know, your life um, – there's many changes, right? So we're in season seven. So chances are a lot of people's lives are going to shift in those seven years, right? Like there's going to be, if not one big shift, probably several changes or whatever. And I honestly think that people just kind of grow out of certain shows at certain times. You know, I've gone back and watched some of my favorite TV shows and you take off those nostalgic glasses and yeah, you're like, wow, this is not as good. Or actually this is, this is better than I remember. Like I was too young to even understand these themes, but wow, I, I really underrated season five in this or whatever. So with this, I don't know. I, I tend to think that maybe that's the case. Maybe, maybe, you know, on rewatch, like if anybody rewatches this with us and, and, you know, like we're all laughing at all of these jokes, like, uh, like uh, there's, there's obviously the duds, but man, I'm having a great time with this. So to try and comprehend why, why somebody would be laughing at this in season three, but not this in season seven, it just, it literally doesn't add up and it doesn't make any sense. So it's like, I, I tend to go to, well, maybe it's you. And not in a bad way, but I think right. we all change. I think we all go through changes and grow out of things. But that's what's great about going back and dissecting things, like you were saying. You know, you go back and dissect them, 
And and man, like this is this is a great this is a great season. But that is my theory as to maybe why it fell off. You add in the the kid and all those things, and and that's all. That's all. People just write it off. So I'm glad though that people are still with us and you know still commenting on the show. We're getting good feedback on it, and I don't know. Maybe we can kind of change people's minds about that, or or at least open their eyes to nah, it's. It's not as bad as as maybe you once remembered. Mm-hmm. You know, there's two things you could do with a podcast. One, you could wake people up to, dude, you love a horrible movie or show. <laughs> or the other thing, which is give them something new to enjoy. Right. That was always my greatest. Um, that's what I get out of doing this. And um, I don't do it intentionally. It's not my job to, you know give people more things that they can like or anything but it just happens along the way sometimes and it or it's organic and it certainly wasn't our motivation in reviewing this right. season <laughs> you know we thought we were going to have a one you know once you saw that one episode i figured like wow we're just going to tear this whole thing apart cuz i didn't you know memorize every line of this mm-hmm. uh and wow no so hopefully we gave more people um if the show they already love hopefully they love more of it so but uh yeah as far as this episode goes i give this a 4.5 out of 5 it's not exactly a 5 out of 5 but yeah same as dan um really like it it's just really a good episode the miss blaub scene is legendary i just (laughs) love that man i love the whole premise i think it's funny that al like retired uh so young he's in his 40s (laughs) He got $12,000. Like, where did he think that was going to... How long did he think that would last anyway? Like, what difference did it make if... With Peg around. <laughs> yeah, if Peg spent it in, in days, hours, or weeks, who cares? I mean, you couldn't possibly think that was going to last you even... <laughs> like, what's the, what's the difference? Even a year, right? Right. Exactly. So, um, and then, yeah, the Habib thing is great. Everything at home, the Jefferson thing with his dad and the tanning bed and all that is just so fun. The end is fun. The Charlene Tilton thing is just great. Just good from beginning to end. Um, even him wasting all of his money on lottery tickets, now he has absolutely nothing. He's re- exactly right back where he started. <laughs> which is which is classic sitcom stuff too, though. You know, Let, let's just get, let's just bring it right back to where we left off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. We're going to bring it back next week. So tune in (laughs) as we review the old insurance Dodge. When Al's Dodge is stolen, (laughs) he learns it's only worth $100. And he decides to add a few priceless items to the list of things missing from his trunk. (laughs) Boy, is the Mona Lisa going to be in there? All right. Let's find out next week. 